All right, we've started the show. Um, Rokas, welcome. Welcome, Kieran. <laughs> Never done this before. I just wanted to say hi to Rokas first without Kieran. Oh, hello, Raj. <laughs> Great to see you again. How are you? I'm well. Rokas, you and I will be uh, talking with Kieran, who's already here. Welcome, Kieran. Thank you, once again. Um, we're all glad to be here. I'm glad to be here talking with you guys and, and using your valuable time um, in the discovery of, of self-mastery, right? That's basically what every conversation I ever have boils down to is self-mastery. Unless we're talking about like what we're going to have for dinner or what we're going to buy for the baby. Because that's not really self-mastery. But it kind of is. Um, but with you, gents, so everyone knows Rokas and, and uh, what Rokas and I talk about. Kieran, you and I talk about the same thing. It's like we have a podcast all to ourselves every other week, but no one ever gets to hear it. So I thought the other day, we're going to do our podcast. Rokas is getting ready as producer. He's asking me for topics and interviews. And I'm like, I don't have anything. And then I thought, and that at the same time, Kieran said, what are we going to talk about this weekend? Or, or are we going to meet again? And I was like, let's combine the two and record it for all to hear. Because I love our conversations. I love the podcast. And I love, uh, Kieran, oh, stretching my back, what you and I talk about, which is life. It's self-mastery. It's how to be better, how to evolve, right? We're just trying to repeat what Jocko and Echo already do, but on our level. And um, you can never oversaturate the field of self-mastery. Jocko may be doing it. Um, Sam Harris may be doing it. Jordan Peterson's doing it in his own way. Everyone's doing it in their own way. And you can't oversaturate it. There can't be too much can never be too much self-mastery on the shelf as you go to the store to pick out which self-mastery is for you. I was thinking about this the other day as I was making coffee because it's like, why have a podcast? Why write a book? Why, why talk about these things when Socrates existed, when, when Plato wrote down what he did, what, why, when Marcus Aurelius already mapped it all out. Um, and it's because I ask people all the time, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? And they're like, no. But do you know who Jocko is? No. I was at jujitsu the other day and I was like, yeah, I was kind of inspired and I found out about jujitsu through Jocko Willing. And they're like, no idea who that is. And I'm talking to people who are like world champions. And it's like, oh, the, the world is pretty big. Like, it's it, there's so many jujitsu people. There's so many ex Marines and ex Navy SEALs. And there's so many people getting after it. They don't have time and they don't necessarily know all the other people getting after it. So we all have our own circle of influence. And as someone in the airs, the group that we all used to be a part of um, for self mastery, as someone's told me at Jacob Rokas, uh, I don't know if you know, Jacob, Kieran knows Jacob. You remember Jacob, Kieran? Yes, I do. 
Rokas, do you know who Jacob is? The uh, debate pre yeah. he's he's going to be a politician. He may even be president one day. I played chess uh, with him. <laughs> what a guy to know. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he's brilliant. He said he's like you have to keep. When I was like, I'm not going to write anymore because that's stupid. And he said you have to keep writing because you have your own style and perspective. And it's like saying I'm never going to try anything ever again because it already existed before me. And it's like you already you, you develop your own style, you develop your own circle of influence. So you you kind of keep going because of that, no matter how small, no matter how great other people are. So I guess that was the intro to this show. Kieran, welcome. <laughs> and you once again, once again. So Kieran, what do you what are you so for the listeners, what are you where are you at and what are you studying? Well, at the moment, I'm in my final year of a Bachelor of Arts with honours in Classical Studies, which is primarily the study of ancient Greek and Roman history, literature, culture. And other than that, I'm 21 and trying to find my way in life. And you and I have known each other since 2015 or 14? Around about that time, yes. Yeah. But you and Rokas have never, because you have, Rokas is kind of new school, and Kieran is old school. <laughs> Kieran was there from the beginning um, of, of when I started to produce work online for people. Very, the very beginning, when I went from living a private monk life to uh, a public online presence. So that's pretty cool. Kieran, did you, how's it been going lately? How's, how's life? Well, to avoid running my mouth too much, I'll sum this up as succinctly as I can. I have just begun all my new modules for the final year. I'm deciding on a dissertation topic. I've been speaking to several high-ranking military officers over here, as well as one or two over in the United States. And I primarily seem to be leaning towards the Royal Marines, which is exciting because they're there at the tip of the spear, a very elite organization. Uh, but before that, I may need something to keep me going in the interim whilst I wait for my application to process and things. So I have a a couple of PT qualifications that I'm working through online just to allow a greater measure of financial independence. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad you're still pursuing that. Uh, I know we talk, I've been talking about that for the last few months and good. I, I admire that. <clears throat> I've, I've never been a military person, but as you both know, my heart is with, the military, the discipline, anything regarding self-mastery. <clears throat> so, Kieran, I, we didn't talk about this before today. Did, did you have any new insights or reflections or questions for this upcoming discussion just between me and you and Rokas? Insights just generally speaking overall that I've came to? 
Well, yeah, keep it simple. Like, you know, we've been talking about, um, I, I remember Rokas and I started recording about social anxiety and we talked about kind of where social anxiety comes from. That was when we first started. You and I have talked about social interactions and dealing with, with you know, friends coming and going and, and people not getting back to you on text. Like these are real world issues. These are problems that everyone in, in university has. And it's, it's, it's really important to talk about. And, and Rokas, if anything comes to your mind from what we talk about, <clears throat> just holler out. Cause you, you guys, you're um, 20, right? 20 or 21. 21. Roka. 21. So you're both 21. So you guys uh, maybe face the same things. And I know Rokas with you, um, in the, you work with Jack, uh, and the group of guys there talking about stuff. Um, you can definitely relate to the stuff going on that Kieran and I talk about. So Kieran, yeah. Any, just how we doing, how we doing? Well, there was one. I'm just, I'm looking because I, I made a note of this on my phone somewhere. Um, just so I didn't, wouldn't forget it. And Sticking through here. I did just have it up, but I lost it again. I think it was something along the lines of just saying that, yeah, I wrote down that the root of so many of our problems is that we do not love ourselves enough and that we are so un unbelievably cruel to ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Whoa. Good. That's why I wanted to record this. Wow. So I have something to add. Go. I believe it's yeah, something it like to, I think, enforce. Or I'm not sure how to phrase it, but burning the past. So writing things about your past that maybe you regret and then burning that page, that I think helps to deal with with maybe some hate you might have for yourself. Has that helped you, Rokas? Um, I couldn't technically burn the pages, but I ripped them up and yes, then I stop dwelling on those regrets. It does help me overcome that, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't burn them because you were like in university and they were like, they'd be like, why are you starting yeah, a fire? Like, <laughs> please, <laughs> please leave the premises. <laughs> you will transfer your credit somewhere else. Yeah, they probably think you were smoking a doobie or something. <laughs> um, Kieran, uh, you and I have been working together for a while and you know the burning technique. Have you had a chance to get that in the last five years? I did get some way of the way through it. I reached a point where I just simply ran out of things that I could think to write. Yeah. And so I did do the burning with as much as, as I've been able to drag from my mind. Yeah. I don't think I was able to hit. I think it was like 10 pages for every year. And that so was the... Did I give you guys that? That was... So that's the... That's one of them, right? That's the Mahabhasana Daha Tantra is the, the, the entire life burning. Um, maha meaning like great or big. Um, vasana meaning um, uh, vibrations in the mind. Daha Tantra, or Daha is fire and Tantra is ritual or act. So, so the act of burning vibrations in the mind uh, or great vibrations. So the 10 years for every life is just a technique that my guru gave me from his guru and the monks practice that 
You can also, there's six or six or five or six other spot checks, we call them spot checks. So you can just take what happened this week and burn it or tear it up as Rokas. That, like, that's really good to know. There's another way to do it. You don't have to burn it necessarily. And a lot of people just write this stuff down. They journal. Everyone knows about journaling. It's not new. But the fire thing, I don't think everyone really takes seriously as much. And if you can't do it, totally understand, right? Um, if you can, I think the fire uh, leaves a deeper impression maybe. But um, we don't really stop writing. We don't really, a lot of people, they'll try it and then they'll stop. It's rare to see someone who makes it a ritual. Like I do my weekly burning, you know, the monks did, if not daily, probably weekly, probably weekly. We would go, so we had a, we had a, um, a defunct fireplace in the, in the, in the meditation dojo that we had and in the back. So it was kind of out of the way. It wasn't ceremonious. It wasn't special. It was just a, a, a cement hole in the wall, just an old fireplace. And the, there was just ash that had filled this three foot hole. And you would occasionally walk into the room as you were going to the, into the room or, or to the other side, into the temple. And occasionally you would see a monk there either writing or burning or, you know, just looking at the pages being burned. And, and uh, it leaves such an impression on your mind. You're like, you know, uh, okay, someone is like writing things down. They're getting rid of something that was stuck in their mind. And I think most people, not necessarily daily, but, but weekly. So, you know, having that as a technique is, is kind of liberating. You don't have to keep, hold on to things. But let's go, let's go back here into that that insight well, what where did, where did you what was the inspiration behind that reflection let me look back at the context there for a second right i think i followed on from that i don't want to detract from the initial insight but i followed on from that by writing there's beauty in man a whole fountain of it and yet we close our eyes yeah. Yeah. And I think that primarily came down to the fact that I was getting just so frustrated at my inability to have things that I wanted, make things happen that I wanted, and just feeling sort of stuck in my current position in life. And I just yeah. realized that, God, why don't I love myself more? Yeah. Yeah. I think self-love is, is important for men to talk about. Women talk about it all the time. It's just, it's something women, it's okay for women to talk about. It's not necessarily okay for men to talk about. Like maybe, maybe after jujitsu class, I need to light some candles and take a hot bath and like have some me time. And, and I say that like humorously, but yeah, I, and, and actually I coach a group of men every Sunday in the UK and we talked about self-esteem and self-appreciation 
couple weeks ago. Basically, the, the, uh, the train of thought for me goes like this. Every fault we have, every issue we have dealing with other people, it usually comes back to not caring about ourselves. I'm, I'm, it's a bold statement, I think, to say that almost every issue boils down to that. But if we care about ourselves, and you can hear uh, Kieran getting after it and writing all this down. <laughs> if you would like me to hold off on that, and I can watch this back and make my own notes to avoid the typing sound. I wouldn't worry. About, I wouldn't worry about it. Joe Rogan has guys that type in the background on his show all the time, and so does Stephen Crowder. So, um, and I don't. I don't know if if we can feel the loss of self esteem. You know what I mean? We because we all get to this point like, oh, you know, I don't really care about myself as much as I do my family or my, my children or something. But how do we get to that point? It's, I think it's hard to tell. So Kieran, you and I were talking about like being ghosted um, by people or, <laughs> you know, and that's a serious thing. Like, especially women, they they don't text back when they don't want to talk to you again. They just leave it. They drop it. They ghost it. And it's not personal. It's not personal. It's not like, oh, okay, because this person is, is that person, I'm not going to text back. It's like this person, for whatever reason, just doesn't fit into my time right now. And I'm, and I'm not able to get to this. So I'm just never going to approach the conflict again or the, the possible conflict. So a woman will not text back. But if you look at her emails with, with all of her emails, she also won't get back to important emails that she needs to get back to. Or even with her female friends, if they're in an argument, she won't get back to her friends as she needs to in order to resolve the conflict. So it's, that's what I mean by it's not personal. Part of it is something about, you know, you that was personal, obviously, but that the, you did not um, create her first ghost. You did not create a pattern in her or it's something that only you go through with her. It is a pattern of women to ghost in all platforms, on all devices, all the time. It is just something they do. And I don't know if anyone likes to say that. And, and guys over text, they overdo it. They over communicate most times. Guilty of that many times. They, they, they have to resolve something. And the married clients that I work with, the guy is needing to resolve something and the, and they're getting into conflict because the woman is trying to ghost. She's, she's like, I'm not ready to resolve this or it's not resolvable. It's not a thought I need to resolve. It's just something I wanted to express and then leave it at that. And the, and, and guys don't want to leave it at that. Leaving something at that for a guy is the end of the world for me. It's like, I can't sleep until we resolve this. And that this can be anything, right? Something at work, 
something someone said, um, you know, and a, a woman will go to the point where she create begins the action and then there's potential for a reaction, but she doesn't want that potential reaction. It's like, no, no, no. I just wanted to express myself. We don't need to solve anything. No, some, people, some people will say that that's sexist. Some people will say that, well, guys do that too. And it's like, of course they do. Mother Nature is not a feminist. What? Mother, Mother Nature is not a feminist. She doesn't necessarily uh, care what labels we place on things. If it's reality, it's reality. Well, mo yeah, Mother Nature is, is comprised of, of laws of destruction, creation, and preservation. Mother Nature uh, will preserve <clears throat> that which she has the potential to both create and destroy. So there's nothing we can do about mother nature. Mother nature just is. And gender roles are now considered as, as, as a sexist thing to bring up, but, but I'm, I'm of the belief that I can, I can see enough trends and patterns in life where it's safe to say there are some generalizations. There are there all generous like can you can you say all women can you say all men in any situation can you say all of this all of that in black and white no I mean no that's silly right and people that think it's sexist to say there are roles and gender things in society and, and rules and laws and things like that immediately say well no it's not all black and white and it's like I never said it was all black and white I never said there were not outliers of course there's outliers. Um, of course, some guys in a relationship will get into a conflict with their wife and it's the guy that's shutting down. It's the guy that's, that's unable to communicate and express himself. It's the guy that is doing the, 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 the feminine normative thing and the roles can switch. Sometimes I'm overly feminine and sometimes Helena is masculine and the roles switch because when I say women, what I mean is femi the feminine energy. When I say man, I usually mean the masculine energy. And when I say feminine and masculine energy, I'm not talking about sex, I'm talking about that which is inside every single human. And I put that down in the book, Everything is Your Fault, in one section. And I had to rewrite part of that when I got it back from the editor because I realized how incomplete it was. And I added it in. Okay, I'm not, it may sound like I'm talking about women or men here. I'm talking about masculine and feminine. Totally different. Totally different. All right, let's, let's, get, let's get closer back to um, the theme. So, Kieran, I thought, so we let's rehash this for everyone listening because it's relevant. Um, Please do. One of the things it was like um, that I really loved how when we talked about university, like going out every night or the having the ability to make it to your your class or your test in the morning. What do I do? How do I achieve balance in university? And I thought that was a pretty the social circle. Yeah, yeah, because when especially when you know, the younger guys, maybe you're about, you're on your way out, but the younger guys are coming in freshman year. Maybe they're, they're able to get after it a little bit more till four o'clock in the morning and then recover. Do we need to have the ability to recover 
Rokas, is that ever an issue for you or are you more of like a homebody? You're able to kind of focus and not party. Okay, so no energy isn't a problem for me. Uh, I learned to basically enjoy myself without relying on substances. So like alcohol, other things. So I just go out and whoever my surrounding is, that's how I become in a way. As an example, if people are drinking around me, then I don't need to drink to feel the same ways they do. I just, I guess, pick up on, but not really, it's not really picking up on how they act, but I just, I can relax without needing a substance and just have fun, basically. Um, and at the same time, I forgot what I was going to say. Don't rush. No one is here rushing. <laughs> We're just having a conversation and you're right. You're right. And I, you, you reminded me of Prigemic, um, the, the, another young guy in university that I talked with and we had him on the podcast recently and he's, he's realizing that he can go to a party and where he's at, they, they drink vodka. So in Poland, they're just getting after it with vodka. And he, he's realizing that he doesn't have to drink with everyone else to enjoy the night. He doesn't have to stay up and, and cause problems. And he's got other things to do in the morning. Kieran, did you ever find that balance? Well, there's a balance that I have been able to achieve, that I ideally want to achieve. And there's a balance that often ends up happening in reality so ideally and what i have been able to do i'm capable of it is i'll pick one or two nights in the week one of the week one of the weekends and maybe one in the middle but sometimes i'll just collect the one in the weekday and i'll go and go out on those one or two days the yeah. rest of the days i just wake up as normal there are several things that have been happening in combination to disrupt my sleep hygiene, disrupt my sleeping and just lead to waking up far too late. Yeah. So you were saying last Sunday or something, you slept in and you got mad at yourself. Yeah. There's obviously several things happen there. It may be that I just can't, I can't get to sleep or I might end up being stuck reading a book or I might get occupied by something on my phone or whatever. And various other sort of things like that and a lot of it can wait but I make decisions that don't necessarily serve me the best and that impacts my morning routine I get up later which impacts the rest of my day but I mean what and then what did I I think I was telling you like it's Sunday right it's 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 a it's a globally and historically known day of rest where it's okay to sleep in and and sleeping in you know, I know our role models wake up at 4.30, 3.30 every day, right? I know that because I see it on social media. That's, that's just one way. And, I, and, and it doesn't have to be your way. Um, just like my writings and this podcast and our conversations aren't going to be like having conversations with someone else or podcasts with other people. So that's why we do it. And, and my, one of my biggest role models, which, you know, uh, Miyamoto Musashi, 
came to a revelation that when he rested for the first time on the path, he's like, oh, rest is part of the path. Like rest is the, the thing that makes me better when it's time to get after it. And if I, if I struggle too much, I'm, I'm actually falling further away from the path. And it's the same thing actually with, with jujitsu, right? If you're, I was in a, like a chokehold the other day and, and it was like, my windpipe is being crushed right now. And luckily I was able to relax. Like I'm, I'm finding that my meditation experience is, is suiting me quite well in this sport. And when someone is normally able to get a submission and, and they think I'm going to tap and they kind of check my hands, if I'm going to tap and I'm like, just being choked, keep going. And they're like, okay. And then they go one, one step further. And I'm like, okay, that, that can't, now I can't breathe for a long period of time. So I'm, it's, it's, it's also Wu Wei. And we, and we might've talked about Wu Wei on the show before, but Wu Wei is the art of balancing force with no force or absorbing absorbing force with with openness and to do to do nothing and something at the same time right to not force anything but to absorb force and this it's a balancing act so to fight sunday morning to get mad at yourself is to get mad at, at the reaction of your body to to sunday to, to get mad at something that needed to happen now, and it's, it's, it's a different thing if you're, you have a Sunday appointment. For example, tomorrow, Sunday, I have to teach two classes in the UK, one at 8 a.m., one at 9 a.m. If I miss those, yes, I'll be, I'll be pretty upset because I get paid to do that. I, I get paid to show up for 45 minutes and talk and learn with other people. If I don't do that, I will be like falling off the path pretty quickly and that'll be bad. And I will hate myself for that. But today I didn't have fitness class. I didn't have jujitsu. There is jujitsu at 1130, which I may, I may go, but, and there is an advanced class tomorrow. I may, <laughs> I may decide to go to that, but there was nothing this morning. So it was like, okay, the path is then to rest and recover and not get up at five o'clock, which that's my new wake up time. Five o'clock used to be four. It's now five. It's FYI. And that's okay. That's a good thing. turns out five o'clock rolled around. I couldn't actually sleep. So I woke up and started reading one of the greatest books in the world by Jordan Peterson called Maps of Meaning. So it's okay. And, and extra sleep means better training. Extra sleep means better training. Not all the time, but for that one moment, or for that one day a week, right? Rokas, anything, any, do you have any, ever have any self doubt when you, um, sleep in or are you a pretty good sleep so it's hard for me to get back on track after 
something like that does happen, maybe I need to sacrifice a day or two, maybe to reset my sleep schedule or something similar. So yeah, I get where that frustration comes from. But what I'd have to add to that is you definitely yeah, do need those breaks. And I've written down some notes while you were speaking. So level three of Maslow's hierarchy of needs refers to a love and belongingness need. And it feels very fulfilling when you have a good friend group you occasionally meet up and spend time with. So it's something that is important to, for us to do as an emotional species. I'm not sure how else to phrase it. That's that's a, a brilliant way to phrase it. Kieran agrees, obviously. No, I do. And I would say that the weekends, yeah, you can not make excuses for like sleeping in, but you can be more understanding of yourself. But I think primarily a lot of the frustration comes from when it's, say, during the weekdays when you really need, say, if you waking up at 5 a.m. versus, say, 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., where those extra three, four hours could mean the difference between you achieving everything that you wanted to do in the day and having to make hard choices, i.e., what do I cut and what do I keep? Yeah, yeah. I've had to make a that that decision recently. I had a period in the morning where I studied and meditated and then all of a sudden the jujitsu happened. So it's like, okay, time to shift. Boom. It needs to happen like that. I'll move those, I'll move those study and meditation times somewhere else, or I'll, I'll choose a more relaxed day where I'm not needing to train this morning and, and do it, do it then. And then I'll have both of those things in my life. And then that's the, that's the adventure of self-mastery and balance and yin-yang. Now, what I want to know is, why is it so hard? Why do people get off track so much from one slip-up? Why, why is it such a big deal? Like Rokas, you mentioned this. Why, why is it hard to get back on track? And, and the truth is, that's what meditation is. Meditation is training your mind to manipulate your awareness. So when you get off track, you get back on track. Your awareness doesn't get dragged through guilt and remorse and resentment, self-hate. You get back on track. Instead of going right, you go left, right? Maybe you accidentally go right, big deal. So you go left at the nearest intersection. Your mind is, and self-mastery is the, the ability to control the mind and move awareness when you need to move awareness. The ability to fit into any container when you need to change containers. The ability to be like water, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that remorse, that, that self, that regret is you clinging on to the issue. Like, oh no, this happened. So let me remind myself this happened constantly. And when you let go, right? When you surrender to life, that's Wu Wei, that's also jujitsu. Um, Prigemic is just coming in. So we were, Ooh, so as I'm you guys were talking, uh, yeah, as you guys were talking, I was like, all right, Prigemic needs to be here. If he can make it, let's get him on. Um, uh, we're not interrupt right now in any way. Yes, you're interrupting everything. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go. <laughs> So, uh, uh, Prigemic, 
Um, Kieran, Kieran Prezemek. Prezemek's in Poland right now. Uh, and he just shaved. And he looks fantastic. <laughs> I just shaved before this call, yeah. actually, as you well. Guys, to make sure. You guys look all freshly shaven. Who's not freshly shaven? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually... I am not going to shave for a while. I'm going to grow a beard and I'm going to shave my head still. Uh, Rajon, I have to tell you that I am both happy and mad at you for being here. Because, and both for the same reason. I wanted today to have a lazy day. So on one side, I'm doing so well, but on the other hand, I'm losing my lazy day. So we were just talking about that. Okay. So oh, I'm, uh, all right. <laughs> we were talking about, especially university life, the ability to party and not party, the ability to act and not act, sleep in and still get to what you need to. Do you like, do you have an issue, uh, Prezemic with, what have we talked about recently? Have we talked about this recently? I think we have. And that's what made me think of you. Like this, the, the, always getting after it and never resting, thinking that you need to be on 24 seven, but today's your rest day. So you have a rest day. Not anymore. Pajemic, <laughs> <laughs> do you ever, do you ever hate yourself for sleeping in? Uh, sometimes I often have such a days when I'm thinking that, uh, all right, I'm finally having a break. Like I am laying on my bed, simply listening to music, trying to have some relax, and now I'm thinking that I could be something like more productive or basically doing something activities that are fun to me. For example, playing guitar, spending time with friends, uh, and thinking uh, I could be reading a book, I could be working on a project. Uh, I think I'm going to uh, be much forward is that one of the solutions I found is that whenever I have some spare time during the day, I just simply try to plan for that day. Is that do I make any objectives for that day or, would I, or should I say that, all right, I done all the necessary tasks for the day, like all the uni courses and stuff like that. And I have like four hours left. So what should I do today? All right, I am, for example, today I'm doing no pressure day, so I do not have any additional, additional activities today. So I don't know if I'll actually do anything additional, then that's great, that's even better. But if I don't do anything, that's fine. Or oh, if I actually yeah. want to do on something uh, outside of the mandatory thing is that, all right, I am going to work uh, for one hour on this thing, or for example, learn this part, finish this part. Uh, that's the only thing I need to do today uh, outside of the mandatory things. No pressure day. No yes. pressure day. I love that. I love that because that reminds me of pressure. And we need both. We need pressure and we need no pressure. We need to, we need to relieve, relieve the valve of pressure uh, every now and then so that it, the sides of the air tank don't rust away. And if you guys have ever worked around or with an air compressor, you know that um, at the end of the day, you have to relieve the air out of the tank or else this tank will eventually build moisture and rust out and it'll be useless. You have to relieve pressure or else it'll go through too much for too long. And yeah, I can relate to that. I've been timing my study sessions. So whenever I'm studying, I'd have a timer going. Then when I go do something else, I pause that timer. And yeah, there does seem to be a pattern. I can only maintain like high focus days for maybe two, three days. And then the next day is like, I can't keep it consistently going. Like maybe I do three hours 
in for a few days and then the next day I only do maybe like an hour because it becomes too much in terms of pressure and I guess when Prajamic was just saying about no pressure days so I guess that's how I should schedule my days so have some no pressure days because clearly they are needed come back to the Pareto principle yeah the, the, the what is Pareto 80 80 20 80 20 so uh, Pareto's law he's an Italian guy right as far as I know but hey so I think Stephen Covey said he was Italian or something the bet one of the best books I ever read is called the power of full engagement I know this is backwards but that um, is that doesn't similar so the power of, of full engagement written by Jim Lower and Tony Schwartz um, basically goes through, these guys have researched elite athletes and then they take elite athletic principles or laws and they put them and they assign them to executives, CEOs, powerful people, people always in high stress environments. And they're like, look, an athlete would never put themselves in a high pressured environment forever or else they would break. That's not how an athlete becomes elite. What they do is they have off seasons, they take breaks, they recover. Now, a human, well, a civilian who's not an athlete does not have an off season. There is no three month to six month summer break or whatever, where life goes, everyone, we're gonna stay home and not do anything, right? Lockdowns weren't even that way. You still have See, if anything, it, it was even more pressureful. Pressureful? Whatever. It was even more um, tense. So and they came up with these laws in this book of an athlete and what a, what a human needs to do to follow the same elite rituals. And one of them is the saying, life is not a marathon. We don't just go and go and go and go. Life is a sprint. And Rokas, when you were talking, you reminded me all of, it, all of this. We go for a little bit, and then we stop, and we don't go. And then we go for a little bit, all right? So we, our energy goes full speed into something, and then it naturally wanes. It naturally recovers. We gather our forces, and then we go full speed into something else again, right? It's like anything. So when we, when we disobey that natural law, of Wu Wei, again, that's Wu Wei. When we, when, we, when we disobey that, we hurt ourselves. When an athlete disobeys that, they get injured. When, when a human uh, civilian disobeys that, they lose it. They absolutely lose it. And you know, psychologically, if you're unable to transfer your awareness from one thing to another, Right, it's what what we were talking about with Rokas and Kieran. We Prajemic, we were talking about how we let ourselves down because we're going, going, going. We can't keep going, and then all of a sudden we sleep in on Sunday, and it's the end of the world because we had this preconceived notion that we were supposed to keep going, but no, no law in the universe says that we just go and go and go and go. Right, we go and then we rest. We go and then we rest. So that's one of the most powerful things I took away from this book and one of the most powerful specific specificities that I took away from the book in a, in a, in a situation with an athlete was 
the difference between elite Olympic tennis players and those right underneath them. Still elite, but not Olympic. So let's say you have 500 athletes, they're elite in tennis. <clears throat> they, not all 500 of them make it to the Olympics, right? Maybe just a handful make it to the Olympics. Well, less than a handful, right? For your country, maybe just one. So out of, out of that group, why did those, those elite, did not, they did not make it to the Olympics, although they were just as good. And what they're finding, what they found was that the, the, all of the Olympic tennis players recovered efficiently. They recovered the fastest. They recovered the quickest. And their recovery, their wu-wei, was in between volley, in between the ball going up and hitting their racket. That was when they took a break. That's how fast recovery can be. So we're talking about a day. We're talking about Sunday. But for an elite athlete, we're talking about breathing, in between breathing, in between the ball bouncing on the ground and then hitting their hand again, and then they serve. And they found that that Olympic tennis player, you know, reported, I, they would say like, I have a technique where I dissociate myself from everything in between that moment and then I come back and then all of a sudden I'm a new person and I've recovered and I'm in a new match for the first time and it's it's fascinating and the the elite guys and girls women and men who didn't make it to that olympic level they didn't have that they were just going and going and they understood the match as a one thing but these, these, Olympic, these Olympians were breaking up the match into these moments and becoming different people throughout the match. So when you read a book, you don't remember the whole book. You, you just need the one thing from that book that's going to change your life. And every book has that one thing. You reminded me of another book, Rajan, and that was this one. Deep work. Go ahead and say it out loud for the people who cannot see what you're doing. It's uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it's been a long time since I've read this, but just looking at the back, it talks about how deep work is the ability to pull this out distraction on a cognitively demanding task. And it gives a lot of practical advice on how to do that. But just as soon as you were talking about the things you were about that of a book just mentioned, it did come to mind. So I wish I could say more on this. I would need to refresh my knowledge on it, but it is a worthwhile book to check out. Does it come down like how efficient you are of your time when it comes both to your work time and your rest time? I do find that during the day, a lot of small things tend to chip away at my time just that suck away five minutes there, suck away 10 minutes there. And that's really frustrating because then you can just find collectively like an hour goes by or two hours go by. It's like when you go on your phone and you look at screen time and you think, wow, have I really spent two hours, 30 minutes? The phone is killing uh, people's time. It's, it's, I love technology, but I hate it at the same time. 
and I do. It's, it's a love-hate relationship. I think I think there's a balance, but but I can see that balance is difficult to achieve, even for elite players. So how can you can't expect? It's almost like I don't hate technology for me. I hate it for what it's going to do and what it's doing to other people. And it, that is an interesting dilemma because it's, I can't control what happens to other people. I can just observe, but like when I need to, let's say, I, so let's say I wake up at five and I have um, fitness at five thirty. And I live down the street from the, from the academy. So I'm walking, right? It just takes a few minutes. But if, but if I check, so I have a rule. I, am, I don't go on my phone from that period. On, on those mornings, Monday through Friday, from, from 5, from the moment I wake up to about 7.30 or 8 when I'm done, I haven't looked at my phone. Because if I fit it, if I open my phone, chances are I won't make it to class at 5.30. And, and, and I'll hear about it and it'll probably delay me five minutes or eight minutes. And I have a specific routine to make it to the studio, to the Academy from five to five thirty. I have to get up right away. I can't sit in bed for a second. I have to get up. I have to have coffee ground and then espresso gets ready. I have to drink water, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these technical movements that are choreographed that need to happen in order to make it or else I have to sacrifice sleep and wake up earlier. So for, you know, the, the challenge with the phone is that not everyone is in such a strict routine that they, they, they can't, they cannot, they don't have to use it. Right. Or they don't have to stay away from it. So what I, to say that simply what doesn't kill you, like if it, what doesn't stop you in your tracks in the moment allows you to keep killing yourself. Like um, something that we've all talked about with uh, pornography, the very, like the very act of, of using pornography doesn't necessarily destroy you, but it's, it's a slow enough drip of poison that you can keep going for a long time and years can go by and all of a sudden you're ruined and you're, and you're stuck in a habit you'd like to get rid of. And it, it, it happens like that because it, it cannot kill you, but it, yeah. but it can weaken you. It can take your strength levels down like a leech sucking the blood out of you, but you can't, you can't get to the leech. So social media, we can, we can scroll endlessly and not see the immediate effects and it, it poisons us. And, and after a while we, we lose our ability to control our own awareness. It's very true. I think we touched on Jan, just what young guys and young men could get done if they could take that laser level like focus that they display when they watch one, two, three, four hours of like internet pornography yeah applied it to an instrument or to a project and then people are like i don't have discipline and it's anything right it's not just pornography it's not just twitter it's 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 eating right in in the uk it's it's crisps for some people right they open a 
box of crisps and they can't stop or whatever. Um, just to use a specific example from one of my students over there. Um, it's, it's anything that you don't want to spend a lot of time doing, but you can't help yourself. And then you think, well, I'm not disciplined enough to stop. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disciplined enough. I can't somehow gain that discipline um, to lose the weight. I can't do it. Um, I don't have the focus. I don't have what it takes. And it's not true because the focus it took to, to finish that box of crisps was like full on 100%. No one was stopping you. You were an unstoppable force of nature and you accomplished what you set out to do. The key is to not think you need to gain discipline, to gain focus, to do something else. All you need to do is take the discipline, take the focus you already have and redirect it. And you say, okay, no more crisps, apples. And you could, if you focus on apples, you could finish a, an entire bag of them. And then you'll never want another crisp, right? Because you're too full off apples. It's a good distraction technique for people trying to lose weight. You know, gorge on something else. Gorge on a head of broccoli. I promise you, you won't have any um, fat gain from gorging on broccoli. I mean, they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away. What would a dozen of them do? <laughs> well, don't eat a dozen apple seeds because then you'll get poisoning. No, I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> like, th doesn't an apple seed have um, a cyanide in it or something? Or I don't know. <laughs> I mean, cashews. Don't try. Don't eat cashews with the shell on because the shell will like do some damage. There's quite a few oh. things. There's cherry pops as well, and yeah, apple seeds. When I was cutting weight uh, a few months ago, I. I was uh, eating carrots and celery, just carrots and celery in, at night. And it was like, I grabbed my carrot, I grabbed the celery, and I'm like, all right, just time to munch on this nonstop and just eat carrots and, and celery. And then you're like, you know, I'm full, and then you go to bed. And your body has taken in uh, – not an, your body hasn't taken a sufficient amount of caloric intake to have any kind of negative effect whatsoever, but your, your brain is full. You can't put anything else in your mouth and you go to bed and you're not hungry. So it's just, a, it's just a technique, right? So we have to trick our mind using its own systems of, of gluttony, right? So it's just like in jujitsu, you have to surrender to the submission in order to get out of it. If you fear the chokehold, their grasp just gets stronger and you tighten your own esophagus. And if you relax, they actually have to grip you a lot closer to get the submission because you're relaxed. So you, can, you, you have to keep going more and more and more to get the chokehold. And then eventually, if you're relaxed, you can push them off your neck and roll and shrimp out. So you have to use the very methods, you know, you have to submit and realize the strength of these, these things, realize the strength of the mind getting focused and disciplined on things and just refocus, refocus. I think that 
Well, I'll touch on this first. One thing that has helped some of the time, although I need to obviously use it first, is this little thing. And I got it for my smartphone. And I can send you the link if I need to. But basically what it does is you put your phone or your whatever you need into there. And you set this timer. And you can set it for anything from a minute to, I think, 10 days. And once it locks, it won't, you can't open it until the timer expires. So if you want to, say, put your phone away for seven hours and not touch it, you can set this for seven hours, lock it up. Wow. You're showing me. So you're, uh, uh, right now, Kieran is showing us this white box. It's a lockbox and it's timed. It's a digital lockbox and it, <laughs> it opens and it closes. That's amazing. I've never seen that before. Outstanding. It did. It was a little bit on the price side for what it was, but really, your when it when it gives you your time back, I don't think you can put a price on that. Wow. Have you guys ever seen that before? Not at all. But one of the interesting things I seen is actually uh, the phone called Light, and the point of the phone was actually it's a custom phone, and the main point is that it only has the basic function. It only has. Uh, the calling function, not all the unnecessary things, for example, the internet and uh, not the apps. I think it only has calculator and all the basic things and there's even a model with only calling. So yes. that's very interesting because uh, at one, po one point the batch actually sold out. So it really shows the need for such a product. Yeah, they've developed the light phone too. And it's just as basic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, so Kashi, uh, if you guys know Kashi, uh, form, uh, former monk, um, brother, brother monk of mine uh, in San Francisco. He, he, he went with the smallest iPhone he could, and it's it's the most limited, basic. And he said it's just it it gets you away from the phone because you don't you have a small screen and it's not really optimized for uh, becoming absorbed into the device. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I think you still have apps on the the small. What is it? The S S E or something? iPhone S E or something like that. Um, yes, you do. I had a iPhone five S until very recently, and um, the only thing that forced me to upgrade was the fact that I was using WhatsApp, and they sent a notification saying that we are discontinuing support for this version in like thirty days. <laughs> to upgrade, I'm thinking, oh man. Good. <laughs> the universe was like, take it away. Take it away. Too easy. Yeah, I, I remember um, getting into TikTok. Uh, well, it must have been like six months ago or something. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty cool. And I just noticed I was it was getting to be too much. And uh, I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to open that app again. And I didn't. I honestly never, never opened it again. And it was on my phone. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is still on my phone. And so then I just deleted it. And it was like, I, it's proof. It can be done. It can be done. And, and, and you have to prove it to yourself again and again and again. And, 
I, that's why I never recommended to you guys, you know, back in the day in, in, in 2015 and, and that, um, I never recommended the blocking, you know, blocking yourself, having a friend put a password on your phone or, uh, privileges and things like that. And I never recommended it. Cause it's like, ah, it's kind of just, you're, you're hiding from the, the inevitable battle with discipline that you'll have to have. I don't know. It's, 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 uh, I don't know. It's a theory, but it seems to work. And then the, the hot, the hiding, the, the blocking and things like that. And like, I'm not going to use social media anymore ever again. I'm deleting Facebook and it's like, okay. But one day Facebook will come back to you for some reason you'll have to use it. What do you do then? And it's like, it's like a martial artist saying, I'll never use this technique. And it's like, he that doesn't, you cannot use a technique is uh, one, one less tool, you know, in the toolbox and cannot employ it when necessary. And one day you'll be in a situation where you need to use that technique and you won't be able to. I don't know. Anyway, what else is happening, you guys? But you say anyway, but yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Um, maybe true self-mastery is having the option to do that thing, but making the decision not to. Of course. True self-mastery is not restricting anything. Yeah. Except restricting everything, if you will, if you need to. Karen, what was that? I'm reminded of something you wrote to me on Telegram, what seems like... An entirely different era. You guys remember Telegram? Do you guys still use Telegram? I remember Telegram. I log on to it every now and again just to check up how one of you guys are. But yeah, you, I remember you writing something to me when I was still in high school, and that was until you like have a woman who's completely into you and wants you, and you're willing to walk away and say, "No thanks, I've got things that I'm doing tonight." You just walk away, then you're not ready. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I remember, I remember those days of uh, giving that advice and, and um, it's, it's, it's funny because I learned it in the monastery and um, it, it's just, it's the same law, right? We, we, it's the same Wu way to act without acting. So there's a force coming at you the Eastern philosophy says the best way to handle that force is to, is to absorb it and, and, and only then counter force, but not to just resist. So to, to be, to be under the, under the spell of every woman that comes into your life and, and to, to treat every single woman as a test or a, uh, an object to conquer is like, applying force before force comes at you. And that's a recipe for disaster. You have to be able to be self-sufficient before you, anyone else can depend on you. And the ultimate state of a relationship is to be able to depend on each other for certain things. And um, that assumes that you are dependable. 
And, you know, a lot of young guys will treat, and I remember this, right? I was, I was um, young 700 years ago and I remember going to parties and like, you know, there's the people that are so natural with, with interaction and then, you know, the, the clicks and the awkward people. And, um, you're like, you know, thinking about everyone's thoughts. Um, and you're like basically insane at that moment, instead of just relaxing and, and just, you know, I don't know. You're sitting down on a couch somewhere and, and you're worried about what everyone else is thinking instead of just creating the moment and creating a good time because that's why you're there. Like you're there to be like, tell some dumb joke and be like, Hey, did you guys hear about that stupid stuff on Twitter earlier? Or what do you guys like do, you know, just to engage with life. Instead, you're like too busy thinking about everything in the background and, and everyone is there to not think about the background. Everyone is there to um, participate in culture. So young people aren't aware enough to, to understand that. And so they, ha they have a difficult time engaging with social engagements, right? And it creates awkwardness. And awkwardness repels people who want to relax they, or want to feel comfort. Awkwardness repels it and it's visible. It has an aroma. It it is has a vibration. It has a color. I mean, it's 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 clear as day. And when you relax for the first time, you uh, you when you lower down the gates and you finally don't care about who you are and the dumb stuff you're interested in, then all of a sudden the the pe people will feel that and they'll be like ah. I can like relax. This person is not judging me. And it turns out they were thinking the same thing you were thinking the whole time. And the two of you were like batteries, like uh, detracting each other, demagnetizing. And it's like, it's, it's just like uh, the path uh, of enlightenment for a monk. The moment you stop thinking about enlightenment, you allow it to actually happen. The moment you stop trying and struggling on the path, it happens and you're like, ah, my own force was a con was built on concepts. If I am conceptless, if I get, if I remove concepts, then I'm free to engage with reality, which is anomaly. Reality is, 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 uh, eventually anomaly. And so we want to be open to anomaly so curious that you say that because I've, i found that i'm by no means a ladies man by any stretch anyone who knows me can attest to that it's all relative right like i was thinking about this earlier kieran's level of of sexual engagement is different from rokas's it's different from pregemics it's different from mine i mean uh, so you know <laughs> it's it's uh it's, it's all relative, right? So you think Kieran that maybe, you know, it's not there for you, but you know, for someone else, it's half as much. And at, like we always talk about once the young man realizes 
life is not all about sex, he, he, you know, he may actually be happier <laughs> and the world will be a better place. <laughs> yeah. But what I was going to touch on was that whenever I've tried, I'll rephrase that, the harder I've tried to attract someone, the less, the less successful I've been. Yeah. I don't know much, but I do know that. Yeah. But you know, you know what, you know, what's amazing is, um, it's not your guys's fault that you think that way. And I know the, the thing is it's all your fault, but this thing you're socially conditioned to believe that sex is, is the beginning of life. And when I got out of the monastery, I realized this, I was surrounded by adults and not having sex for 12 years was the most interesting thing that I came, th- came out of it with to them. That was like the stopping point in the conversation. Like, wow, amazing. And it's like, if that's your understanding of what I experienced, you, you are, um, you are so far away from anything real. I have no interest in talking to you at all because it is a waste of my time and my experience. And that's how we find our people, right? So that's why you have to be yourself and not other people. You can't be society. You have to be yourself because in the end you'll be lying. If I, you know, it's the people that, that persisted with questions beyond that, that it was like, ah, this person is interested. This person, I can learn from this person too. But young people and, and adults who think that celibacy is a big deal and, and it's, it's a societal construct, you know, you see it in movies like, oh, someone who hasn't had sex in six months, they're afraid to say it. And so it's like, we got to get out on the town because it's been forever since I've had sex. And it's like, it's the mundane. It's the instinctive. That's the animal drive. And that's important. But if that's everything. If that's why you're unhappy, if that's what you're seeking for and finding an answer in, um, you are not even close to the things that I've seen. And you have a long way to go and many lifetimes to go before understanding what life is truly about. And it's like, a ch- it's like watching a child flail about and get angry about stuff as an adult and you're like huh child so and it's not young it's not just young people it's adults too it's fully grown adults walking around thinking these things and it's pathetic to be honest it's pathetic but it's also necessary it's part of their evolution And so when young guys come to me with sexual troubles, it's like, man, that's not even a thing. That's not even a real thing. There's no, you're creating sexual troubles. If you get rid of sexual troubles, there is no sexual trouble. If you do not care, that's when, that's when that's when you become the person that you admire. They don't care. They don't care. And that's the guy that you see at the party who's casually interacting with everyone. He doesn't care. 
And oddly enough, you know, I remember in, in, in my high school days and, and, and before that, it was the athletes and kind of the, the guys who matured out of sexual uh, anxiety and social anxiety that were, were the winners, you know, in that realm because they, they didn't care. And you're like, well, how do you not care? And it's like, well, they probably found something more important like sports. It was like, that was more important. And so, and then everything else was, was just a consequence of life. And, and when you find something more important, um, you actually have something valuable and, and women can sense that it's like, because they're, they're not looking for someone who's wondering if they're going to have sex. Women aren't thinking that way at all, at all. And sex for women is not even the same thing it is for men. It's totally different. It's got nothing to do with pleasure on a sexual basis at all. So just thoughts. <laughs> Maybe we should end the podcast. <laughs> just pondering that, just letting it sink in. Yeah. I mean, most women don't even feel sexual pleasure from, um, from penetration. To be, to be clear. That's, it's a, it's, it's not, it's, it's a facade. It's, it's a, it's not real. That they don't have the internal sensory uh, synapse that you, that you think some do, right? It's not black and white, but most uh, statistically they've found that they don't. I suppose that's just part of the condition of being male. I mean, there's this fascinating study and I can't remember which one exactly but the top and bottom of it no pun intended was that they injected female rats with testosterone and these female rats actually grew penises from where their clitoris was wow I how to use it which is the more incredible thing I did not know that I've never heard that study wow there's so many interesting rat studies. Um, amazing. And, and um, it's connection. It's connection. It's like the, not all the time, but, but it's most of the time, um, sex for a woman is connection, uh, expression, and, and, and engagement. It's, it's not because you're somehow uh, going to change her thoughts on pleasure. It's like, it's not even on that realm. And so for guys, there's a lot of anxiety there because it's a, it's based on performance and pleasure. And for women, it's, it's, they already know that it's not going to be, um, pleasure on that level. It's going to be connection. It's going to be deeper. It's going to be with their entire like body, not with just a, a sex organ. It's, 
and and that's what makes it special and that's why people kind of mature first before um true relationships um and love can blossom because young people are going about it for other reasons and they're not the they're not the instinctive um um uh natural drives and reasons that that it's all designed about and uh, it's not that it was designed not for but maybe for yeah wherever that design came from and and why it came from that or why it came about i don't know but um again it's not black and white these things are not every man and woman these things and you'll have um effeminate men who who uh don't want to treat women like an object they they want them them to feel pleasure they they want them to um get just as much pleasure out of it and and for a woman it's it's like you don't have to you don't have to worry about that they'll that'll happen naturally because the more that you you to embrace um the more pleasure she'll get from it the the more um the better it will be and the more present you are and the more affectionate and caring you are in the hours leading up in in the hours after in the way that you um care about the way she's feeling in the way that you take care of the dishes or take out the trash or show up or call or or remember certain things or or you know remember how she did her hair that's what is pleasing that's where she's getting the see a woman's sexual pleasure bank account is collecting uh um deposits from the entire uh data collection the entire data set of the day of 24 hours sex may be you know a few minutes maybe 30 minutes but but the data set started long before you know what i mean and that's the entire experience for them not just the moment the guy is in the moment how am i going to perform when we're both you know naked but but for a woman she she was in the battle a long time ago like it was all building up hours before this so that's where they have the the advantage and that's just like musashi used to battle his opponents the battle began before he showed up and then when he showed up he had won before the battle began and in in his final bout when he was his most mature he was 2 hours late because he was just going by the way of the way the tides came into the shore and he wanted to fight at high tide and the, the he showed up to an aggr- an aggressive frustrated and irritated opponent and he's like i've done it i just won i've gotten to you and and then he won and he he didn't even show up to the battle this is a this is a true uh, occurrence and this is a historical occurrence he didn't even show up to the battle with a sword he carved a sword as he went to the fight out of wood from the boat from the boat that took him to the island he carved a sword out of wood and used that the the wooden sword to bash the opponent's head 
and then went back into the boat and was like one with the universe. So that's the secret of everything. It's like the battle happens long before you get to the meeting. The battle happens long before the phone call, the test, the, the, the engagement you're now in. This podcast that we're having right now is like 30 years in the making. So if, if you treat life that way, you can excel on another level because most people aren't thinking like that. And I think because you're hearing stuff like this and you guys know stuff like this and you study stuff like this, you have an advantage, but you're, you may be fearful of using that advantage. Cause you got, that's the difference, right? You know, this stuff already, but when do you apply it? When you, when you start applying it, you go from knowledge to wisdom. Just having knowledge is useless. Yes. You say that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything on that note. Yeah, it has to be. It's like the way you treat um, what Stephen Covey said, the way you treat um, the 1% should be the way you treat 99% because everyone is the 99%. So Musashi, no one man, no 10,000. Know your mind, know all minds. So you ha then have to apply it. You then have to apply it. So when I talk to someone for the first time on the phone, for example, and because of my new career, I've been talking to a lot of new people. It's like you can easily get to someone's good side if you relate to their human nature and it's, for example, I was on the phone yesterday with several people from uh, tech um, sides, you know, tech teams and stuff like that. And it's like, it's Friday. So naturally there's a different kind of vibe. There's a different kind of thought. And as soon as you say something that, that is, is relatable, they relax. And they like let down that initial guard of not knowing who you are. So it's the same thing with everyone, you know, and if you, if you can understand people, then you can relate to everyone. You can communicate with anyone. There's nothing to be scared of. It's just another human and you know, humans. So the key is to not like keep your walls up because then they'll keep their walls up. And it's the same, same thing in jujitsu.